Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, you guys have slept in. This is the this is the hour that everybody stayed up to see the New Year in, right? The other hour was the hour that everybody went to bed early. Okay, it's good to have you here. My name is Brian Klein, one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, it's good to have you here. We're going to uh, be wrapping up the series today on uh, "With God, Nothing Is Impossible," and, uh, and and with God, everything is possible. And uh, I don't know about you, but 2017, la- the first hour I said, what are your goals for 2016? Okay, so this is the year of the restart button, okay? All right, so what is your goal for 2017? How many of you are um, New Year's resolution makers? How many of you are New Year's resolution makers at one time but have given up on that? How many of you just say, no, I'm not into New Year's resolutions, period? A few hands there. Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why sometimes we give up on New Year's resolutions. Now, whether they're resolutions or they're goals, we try to tweak them to sound different. We're going to set goals this year, or we're going to have a vision for this year, or our life verse for this year or something. But... Uh, uh, it's a kind of an awkward time uh, this time of year uh, for us when we're closing out uh, a year that's behind us. And you look forward to uh, another year. And, and it's, that, it's that time in our life where we're kind of mentally making notes. And we're kind of reflecting back. Now, I don't know about you, but every time we close out a year, there's I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Gratitude that my Heavenly Father, once again, was so good to me, so good to my family, so good to uh, others. But then also, my heart grieves for those that were hit with things throughout the year that they weren't ever anticipating. You know, those things that they hit you, that blindside you. And and you, you think... Man, I wasn't expecting this year, the year 2016, to be like that. You know, in the midst of all those kind of circumstances, God is faithful, amen? God is with us. God is is our, our victor. And I just want you to know that when I went to school and when there were assignments that were given to me like in math or in English, There's always that part in the back of the book, right? The answers were in the back of the book. And I just want you to know that this year, remember that the answer's in the back of the book. That the answer is that no matter what you're facing, victory is yours in Christ. Victory is already claimed. It's already been done. It's already there for you to hold on to no matter what you face. But sometimes we face our new year with skepticism. Sometimes we know that more than likely, things aren't going to change that much. How many of you have made that that kind of that, that beginning of the year going, this year I'm going to read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? 
right? Made that one? How many of you get, got stuck about Leviticus? Huh? And then you're just kind of dragging your heels, you're kind of pushing yourself along to try to get, get through that book that, that has, is rich with information, right? So rich. You go through the numbers book and you're just going through, you know, telling, you know, numbers of people and tribes and, and all of that. You know, you want to have hope. You want to have hope. You want to have hope that this year your life is going to be better and stronger than it was last year. You want to face the year with a new sense of courage. You want to... You don't want to be weakened by fear or paralyzed by doubt or filled with anxiety of, of wondering what in the world is, is coming up next. You want to be able to walk into it boldly and strong. Do you not? I think we all do, but one of the things is, is that we don't always know what is before us, do we? We don't know what we're going to face. We don't know what's coming up in front of us. We all want to know that our life will mean something. In the end of it all, you want to be able to say, at the end of 2016, did my life mean something? Was there something different I did in 2016 that I thought would propel me into 2017 to even make a greater difference and a greater impact? We want to know that our labors, our energy, our resources, our, our time that we pour into things is going to mean something. It's going to be worth something. We want to know that whatever we face, that we're not alone. That we're not alone. We want to know that you'll have the resources to face whatever's coming up next. You don't want to feel unprepared. You don't want to feel weak. You don't want to feel unable. And ultimately, if we're really realistic with ourselves, we have no clue what 2017 really will be before us. But we do know one that does. And we do know that the, the very God that, that has created us, the very God that has planned everything out, has a plan for this year, for you, for me. And maybe you're not into New Year's resolutions. Maybe you're into bucket lists. Maybe you want to do some great experiences. Maybe you're into goals. I have one thing on my bucket list that I want to accomplish on this earth is that I want to skydive. Now, I've been working with Lori on this for quite a while. I've updated my life insurance policies. I've taken out all the clauses that, that would uh, eliminate any threat of anything that would happen. But, but sometime, I'm, I'm, I want to sky. Now, it scares me like ridiculous scares me. But it's something that I want to say, I faced it and I did it. Now, whether I land flat on my face or land on my feet, I don't know. But you know what? Our life is kind of like that. We jump into the year of 2017, and we don't know if we're going to land on our face or land on our feet, right? 
But we do know one that is our parachute. We do know the one that will carry us through. We do know one that will help us. There's a movie that was, that was out a number of years ago called The Bucket List. And the Bucket List uh, was a, a movie that uh, had a couple characters in it. And the two characters in the movie were, were played by, by a couple guys that uh, filled the role really well. Morgan Freeman, of course, was the guy that was the mechanic. He had the positive out, outlook on life. He was the good-natured man. Morgan Freeman always plays that, right? Either that or God, one of the two, right? And then the other, the other uh, individual was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's character was, he was a rich corporate executive, but he, he was grumpy and angry about the hopelessness of life. Everything was against him. He was just this cantankerous, grumpy man. And two of these men crossed paths because in the midst of all their life, all of a sudden they've received news. News that was very heartbreaking and, and challenging for them. For they all, both of them, had received news that they had cancer and they had to go through treatment. And there's a line in the movie that where the wife, Virginia, who is Morgan Freeman's wife in the movie, makes this statement in regard to her concern about her husband and how he is facing the circumstances before him with the, the treatment of this disease. And she's concerned that he was giving up on life. And she makes this great statement. And, this state, and with this statement, the whole movie is kind of built around this statement. And she says this to a friend. She says, where there's life, there's hope. Never mind the prognosis. Never mind the prognosis. Hebrew, in Proverbs 13, 12, it says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I want us to think about that. I want us to think about the very fact that a lot of times, many of us have done New Year's resolutions, and we don't do them anymore. You know why that is? Because our hope got deferred. We realized that we wouldn't fulfill our, our New Year's resolution. We have failed at it a few times, and so our hope got deferred. Our heart was saying, you know what, my heart's not in it anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore to myself, right? And so you just kind of quit working at trying to do something to better yourself. You just kind of say, you know what, I think it's just better just to face this year like any other year and not put any goals or any challenges before ourselves. You see, the word hope here speaks of an inner longing. It's not wishing something would happen. It's speaking about an inner longing. It's speaking about hungering of our soul for something that is bigger and better. It's an expectation of the future. And so hope is kind of this motivator to be able to endure through days of trials and uncertainty. 
You know, I've faced many a people this past year in 2016 that held on to hope, that journeyed through the hope in the most difficult of circumstances and adversities in their lives. Things that they were prepared to have to let go of. Things that they were facing that they would, didn't have any idea of what the experience would be like. And yet they held on to the eternal hope that's found in Jesus in the midst of that. That's what the hope is talking about here. But the Proverbs 13.12 says, hope deferred. That word deferred means being kind of dragged along. It's kind of out there, but then it gets kind of delayed again. Have you ever had that? It's kind of like, I'm really hoping, and then it doesn't happen. It gets postponed. It gets put off. And, and, and pretty soon you get tired of getting it put off so many times that it eventually will make your heart sick. In other words, what it will do is it will create disappointment. It will create in your heart discouragement. It will create in yourself this, this idea of being able to say, you know what, what's the use? It's not worth it. I fight and I try and I do the right thing and I work real hard and I try to accomplish all these things and I don't see the end result. And so it gets deferred and then all of a sudden it creates a sickness in our heart, and we become cynical about life. We become cynical about what the future holds. We look at the new year and we say, oh yeah, right, well, it's just gonna be another year, uh, I hope I make it through, and we, we become cynical and just sarcastic about life. And that's not the way God created us. God didn't create us to be sarcastic about life because we, we have the life, right? We have Christ. He is the life, and he is our eternal hope. And so depression and despair and an embittered spirit begins to grow because what we envisioned it to look like isn't happening. And it looks totally different. And we develop this heart sickness because what we hoped for didn't turn out the way we thought it would turn out. It's kind of like this photo. You know? Do you see yourself sometimes at the beginning of the year kind of like the guy on top? I'm taking it on. Yes, I'm going to accomplish it. And you're, you got the pick and you're just going to go at it. And then as the year goes on, you keep picking away and picking away, hoping to get to that treasure, hoping to get to that point where you're going to discover this great moment of, of revealing in your life, this great treasure that God has for you. And eventually, hope deferred, it just keeps getting delayed and it just doesn't seem like you're ever going to get there. And you got within just a sliver, just a little bit to discover the riches and the glory that Jesus has for you. And your heart gets sick and you put the, the pick on your shoulder and you turn your back on it and you walk away. Man, I can't think of how many times that I've let hope deferred create my heart to be sick that I've quit too soon. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just kind of left too soon? And then you find out when someone else tells you, man, you left way too soon. It was awesome. 
Have you ever been to a ball game where maybe your team was getting kind of pounded and, and beat and maybe the other team had 20 or 30 point lead and then all of a sudden it gets about the third quarter and you start looking and you start seeing these great fans, these dedicated, committed fans starting to walk out. Why? Their hope is deferred. Their heart became sick, and they walk out. Now, see, that's the kind of disease I have a little bit. It's, it's called Husker disease. Okay? I have this, and you know what the problem is with my disease is that I passed it down. I pass it down to my boys, you know? And if anybody has Facebook with my oldest son, you'll, 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 you'll get the idea real quick. Because he puts it out there for everybody to read. But see, I want to avoid the great disappointment. And so when I see things aren't going so well, I go to hope deferred. I go to prognosticating defeat before the conclusion. I already determine, I already believe that it isn't going to happen. So that at the end of the game, I could say, yeah, I kind of knew it. They were a better team. But in the case that something might happen and the game turns, I am just ecstatic with excitement because they proved me wrong. They proved me wrong. Have you ever seen that happen in games where you've seen fans just walk out of stadiums? And then all of a sudden the team that was getting beat so bad starts getting the advance and starts winning and you hear the announcers say, boy, I feel really bad for those people that just walked out of the stadium today. I bet you they were wishing they could come right back in here right now because this game is awesome, you know? I wonder how many times we do that with God. And the, the deal is that we always know that God wins, right? He's the victor. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Lord of it all. He takes care of what, what starts and He takes care of how it ends. We read the end of the book. It tells us that. And He's there with us in the middle of the process. Now today you may be finding yourself living in the life of hope deferred. Today may be just that you took everything you had to walk into these doors today. I understand that. I don't want to dismiss that at all. In fact, I want to speak into that for you today. I want your heart to be filled, not with disappointment, but with, refilled with a renewed hope. That God has a purpose and a plan for whatever you're going through. And I don't want you to live your life in prognosticating defeat way before the conclusion. Live with the renewed hope in spite of the circumstances. Now we're going to look at a couple characters in Scripture today. Now we've been going through Nothing is Impossible with God series. And we've been looking at the Christmas story, and Adrian has done such a great job of helping us to see that nothing is impossible with God. And, and we come to today where Mary and Joseph are about a month into being married and raising a child. Okay? 
And they are, they are coming into the temple to fulfill the, their, the, the law requirements of her firstborn son. And they, they were coming to the temple to what we would call today infant dedication. But the difference of what we do today and what is back then is when they came to, to dedicate their child, they, they had to bring something as an offering for that, like a lamb or a cow or, or if they didn't have the money, then they went to a place where there were like doves and pigeons where, where, and they would offer that. And we don't do that here. And, and so here comes Mary and Joseph. They're walking to the temple with uh, a little cage that has some couple turtle doves in it and some pigeons. And they're carrying baby Jesus. And they walk into the temple and there's another holy surprise for them. There's another a moment for them to experience something that they would have never, ever experienced before. And let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 38. As we look at this passage, I want us to think about where would you find hope deferred? And where did, would you find in these two characters a renewed hope? There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, waiting for the comfort of Israel, waiting for the rescue of Israel from, from Romans' uh, domineering uh, power over them. And the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, I could just as well die now. This is good. Have you, ever had those, have you ever heard those sayings? I could, I could die now, you know? This is so good. It's like I've died and gone to heaven. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you are prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them, and he turned to Mary, Jesus' mom, and said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opened, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Man, that had to kind of be a wake-up call for Mary. It's kind of like, I'm dedicating my son, and now he's speaking that down the road, my heart is going to be pierced with what's going to happen to my son Jesus. And so the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And while this was happening, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
There's two characters that pop on the scene here, and then we never hear about them again. What's God wanting to say to us? What's God wanting us to learn from a man named Simeon and from a, a woman named Anna? What does God want us to draw from in these two individuals? Well, let's look at Simeon first of all. The Bible doesn't tell us much about him. We don't know where he's from. We don't know what kind of occupation he has. We don't really know for sure how old he really is. He must be up in years for sure, but we don't have any details of that. But the Bible, what God's Word does give us is the important stuff. The stuff about what really matters about being a man of God. What really matters about Simeon is that he was a righteous man. That he was a devout man. And he was a man that was filled and led and taught by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the kind of man Simeon was. And what can we glean from that? Number one, we could glean this. He was a man with, whose perspective was impacted and influenced by the truth of God. Truth of his God. He became a man of the word. You don't just become a righteous man without being a man of understanding the Word of God. And he was, he was a man that not only studied it for his head, but he studied it and let it impact his heart. And it changed his life. And he became, everything that he became active in doing changed how he went about things. And people would say about Simeon, there, there's a man, there's a righteous man. There's a man that his word is his word. There's a man that would do the right things. There's a man that would not be swayed by the culture that's around him. But a man that would follow the truth of what God's word says, no matter what anybody else says. He was a righteous man. A man after God's heart. A man after God's word. But not only that, but he was so intentional in his relationship with God. He was so saturated in his getting to know who God was that it oozed out in everything that he did. Have you ever known a person like that that no matter what kind of conversation you get into, there's always something about God. There's always something that encourages you. There's always something you want to be around. And he, it says that he was a devout man. Because he let the Spirit of God shape his heart, not his circumstances. Not his circumstances. But he was also a man that lived by dying to his planned will and lived dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting that, that we don't know much about Simeon, but what we do know about what it says here is that they were very specific in saying that the Holy Spirit was upon him. I would love to have that be said of me as a man. That the Holy Spirit would be upon me, that, that my life would be, be, be taught and, and shaped and guided and, and led and counseled by the Holy Spirit of God. In Simeon's life, was a life that where he was willing to die to his own will and listen to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. In fact, so much so that when it came time that all of a sudden one day he got the prompting of the Spirit of God in his heart. 
And that prompting was, I'm going to lead you into the temple. Simeon, go to the temple today. And go to this special place in the temple where they're going to dedicate children. And I imagine that Simeon had every reason in the world, at least from my mind, to be able to say, why there? This doesn't make sense. Why am I going to an infant dedication ceremony? What does that have to do with what I'm trying to look forward to in the future of the consolation of Israel? But one thing we learn about Simeon is he, he, he leans into and he follows that very prompting. Have you ever had those moments in your life where, the, where the, the, someone comes to your mind? That someone just weighs on your heart? That could be very well the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you to say, can you, would you just pray for them? Would you just reach out to them? Would you just go to them? Because they need you. And there's, here's this man, Simeon, that, that was willing to die to his own predetermined plan and will and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he does. And he walks into the temple and he walks into this dedication area and he sees all these parents with all these little kids. And I imagine that the Holy Spirit said, go to that couple over there. The one in the corner? Yeah, that, that couple right there. Go to them. Yeah, the ones with the two turtle doves and the, and the pigeon. That peasant couple. Go, go seek them out. Out of all of them, go seek them out. And Simeon does. And this is beautiful because he grabs baby Jesus from Mary's arms and he holds baby Jesus into his, his arms and he looks down. And his human eyes look into the eyes of of the Son of God. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? The Son of God, he looks into his eyes, and what does he say? He says, I found it. I have arrived. I have now seen the Messiah. But you know what he says? I love his testimony here. Because he says this, he starts praising God, right? He starts praising God and celebrates the grand scope of what he's just seen. He starts praising God and he says, he says this, My eyes have seen what? Salvation. But whose? Your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. See, salvation is not a thing. It's not a religious term. It's not where you go. It's a person. It's the very Son, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. This baby he looked into and he said, I have seen salvation. And he understood the grand scope of this salvation. Because what does he say here? He says that you have prepared in the presence of all the Jewish people, right? doesn't say that. He says, for you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, for all the Gentiles, and for your glory to all Israel. He starts celebrating that the gospel is not a Jewish story. The gospel is not a Gentile story. The gospel is not an American story. The gospel 
is all about you and I, all mankind, all races, all ethnicities, everyone, the whole world. And he starts celebrating that. The man that waited for years to see the promised Messiah. Time and life can wear on us, can't it? And easily dim our hopes. And we could get caught up in the picking and the chiseling of our way to discover the purpose of our life, to discover the jewels of what God has for us, the diamonds that he has for us. And we can get caught up in the circumstances, get so focused on what we envision our life to look like that we don't see the grand scope of what God's great vision has for us. Now, it may not match what ours is, but God's ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are grander than our thoughts. His purposes are greater than our purposes. And sometimes we go through circumstances in life and we wonder why God is taking us through that. Because He is the God of hope. The God that has something bigger and grander than we could ever ask or imagine. Amen? That was weak. But I want you to know something. What, what spoke to me in this part right here is that we need to be ready that the fulfilled outcome, the fulfilled outcome of what God is wanting to accomplish in our life will more likely look different than what we ever envisioned it to be. When Simeon was told that he would see the Messiah before he died. Could you imagine what maybe he was envisioning that to be? He was not thinking of a baby at dedication time. At least that's, in my thought, that's what it was. He wasn't thinking that. And when he saw baby Jesus, this little child, and he looked into the eyes, he rejoiced. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen. You may, you may go through life in your circumstances. You may be looking for that hope. And it may be that the Holy Spirit leads you to a place and you say, this doesn't make sense. I don't agree with this. This doesn't make sense to me at all. But when we follow the Holy Spirit, he may lay something as simple as a little child, some situation as simple, some, some event that would happen, and we'd look into it and we would be able to embrace the very fact that God was in that. And we could celebrate with great hope that we followed and we made it through that fine little line and we discovered the great jewel of God's promises. And we celebrate the hope and the joy of that. And while Simeon was doing all that and he was proclaiming and he was celebrating in the temple, just woo, he was going crazy. And all of a sudden a commotion comes in and then all of a sudden it says in Scripture that this woman Anna comes in. And Anna's the Bible gives us a whole lot more detail about her. Number one, she was a prophetess, which means that she spoke the very word of God into other people's lives. She was quite a woman. But she was also from the tribe of Asher, which was the lost tribe of Israel. A very insignificant tribe, a very humble tribe of Israel. Not, not some grand and glorious tribe, just someone off to the side. 
But it also said that she was a woman that saved herself and, and got married and did everything right. And she got married, and seven years after into her marriage, her husband dies. Her husband dies. It's not exactly what she envisioned. It's not exactly what it was like to be a woman of God. It's not what I want. This circumstance is not exactly the feel-good circumstance here. And Scripture even goes into further detail and says that she was a widow for how long? Huh? 84 years. 84 years. Seven years of marriage. Husband dies. 84 years being a widow. Now listen. Listen. If there's anybody that could have deferred hope with a sickened heart, it could have been Anna, right? Could have been very much her. Could have been her that could have become very cynical and could have said, you know what, I did everything right. I followed everything of what you said, God. I did everything right and I married a righteous man and then, God, you took him away and you could have become very embittered toward God. But she doesn't do that. Scripture describes her as one that was determined to go to worship in the midst of her pain and disappointment. She knew the pain. She knew that there was disappointment. But she was determined to worship her God. Now, I know that that's easy to talk about. That's an easy principle to write down on a sheet of paper. But, but boy, it is really hard when something has been handed to you in life to be able to say, okay, now, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start worshiping my God, right? Every part of our flesh wants to fight against that. Every part of us says, I don't feel like worshiping God right now. This hurts. This isn't fair. This isn't right. But she dies to her flesh. And she realizes that God is her hope to get her through this most difficult and hard, difficult time. And she worships her God. It says that she spends time in the temple fasting and praying. Day after day after day, seeking the face of her God. And in the midst of all of that, she, of experiencing all the limits that she has, she discovers community. Because it describes her as a prophetess, right? Which means that she starts investing in people's lives. She starts pouring herself into people's lives because God starts healing that disappointment and healing that hurt and healing that pain. And God starts entering in and he starts shaping her heart and she doesn't let the circumstances shape her heart. She lets God, she lets the work of God shape her heart. And then all of a sudden she now becomes a, a vessel, a, a tool in which she starts speaking into other people's hearts. Isn't that great? What a great promise. What a great hope. That in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of pain, we need to still go to our God and we still need to worship Him as the good, good Father, right? 
And we need to focus on the characteristics that our God is bigger than our circumstances and stronger than our circumstances. And we invite him to come into that pain and into that hurt. And we let him shape and mold our heart so that we may be able to make a greater impact to those in the world that are searching and looking for hope as well. That's what 2017 is all about. That's what your life is all about. You may have hurt and you may have anger and you just release that to God and you start worshiping Him for who He is and He will come in and He will shape that. He will take your loneliness and He'll give you a mission. Do you imagine how lonely Anna was? 84 years in the temple watching couples walk in. Husband and wife. Watching Couples walk in with their children. And she could have developed a very cynical and very embittered and very tough heart and become just this uh, uh, sarcastic woman about, oh, look at these people. But she turned and let God take that loneliness and use it and shape it, and she found her mission at the temple was to speak into other women's lives, and other people's lives for the purposes of God. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're encountering. I don't know what you hit this past year in 2016, but I do know one thing, that when we take what we face and we encounter, it may not be envisioned like we want it. It may not be mapped out exactly the way we want it. But I do know that our God is one we can allow to shape us, inform us, to be used for His purposes. That we can bring hope and light into other people's lives that are searching for that in their own. That's a life well lived, is it not? Perhaps not satisfactory in our standards, of happiness in a fulfilled life, but a life well lived for God. I must wrap this up. Today is the first day of 2017. The very first day. We have no idea what is before us this year you have no idea. But I want you to know that God knows the outcome. I want you to know that God knows who wins. And I want you to know that you can know who wins as well. And I want you to know, rather than sitting in the stands and looking and saying, hey, it looks like we're being beat up and we're going to walk away, let's not walk away. Let's stay to the end. Let's see the victory. Let's see the outcome. Let's discover the treasures that God has for us. Let's stay the course with great hope and promise that our God will be with us always. You see, you don't have to fear that you will not have what it takes in 2017. You do not have to fear you don't have what it takes for this year because your Savior gives you all that you need.
2 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul says that, Jesus said this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. This year, you're going to have weak times. But Jesus says, I want you to know, my grace is sufficient for that. Look to me. Worship me. Allow me in. And you'll experience my power. You'll experience the victory. You'll experience something new and fresh like you've never experienced before. You don't have to worry about ever being left alone. Because our Savior has made you the place of where He dwells. Matthew 28, 20 says, I am with you always. Listen. I am with you always. Even unto the end of the age. You don't have to search for your identity, meaning, or purpose. He has made you His child and called you to His purpose. And in Philippians 1.6 says what? He who began a good work in you Will what? Will continue to do that work till its completion. He has a purpose. Step into it and allow him to shape your heart and not live in deferred, prognosticated defeat, but with renewed hope in who Jesus is. You don't have to fear trouble, you don't have to worry about the future. Because all the mysteries of of the unknown are in God's hands. For in Luke 1.37, Jesus says to Mary and he says to you and I this year, nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you for the, the testimony of these two individuals, Simeon and Anna. They just pop on the scriptures a page. They're on and they're off. They're just, they just pop in and pop out, but they have a powerful message for us all at this year that we would live within the hope of the gospel of Christ. And Lord, I don't know what's going on in each individual's hearts right now, and I don't know what they're carrying in here. Some maybe have come in here and said it, it took everything they had to walk into these doors. But they're here for a purpose. And I pray that they would embrace you and allow you to come in to that hurt, to that woundedness, to that, that part where they're struggling with the very fact that what you have planned looks totally different than what they have planned. And allow you to shape them and mold them. God, I thank you. I thank you that nothing is impossible with you. For you are our hope. You are our strength. You are our ever-present help in time of need. And may this year we discover it and break through and discover the great riches of jewels that you have for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.